Happy Friday, friend. Welcome back to another episode of the By Word Show. So glad you're here today. We are gonna just go there today, okay? This one is a big one. This is things I wish were talked about in church. And I asked you guys to help me out with this one because I know there's a lot of things out there that people have questions about, people want to know more about, but it's seen as taboo or there's just not resources or there's just a gray area when it comes to Christian conversations about some of these things. And I personally just want to plow down the walls on all of that. Okay. So what the purpose of this episode is, is not to give you answers for all the things you wished were talked about in church because I don't have them all. I'll just start by saying that. I just want to share a couple of thoughts that I have on these things, or if I do have a resource on it, I can share that. Um, But more than anything, I just want to bring up some of these things because sometimes it can feel like we're the only ones who are curious or have questions or confusion around a certain topic. And it's, it's more people than you would think who are thinking the same things. And I think if anything... This episode could serve as a conversation starter for you in your community or at your church, your ministry to have these conversations, because I think that church should be the place where these are the safest. I mean, church should be the safest place to have these conversations. It should be the place where we can bring our questions with no fear of judgment because it's you know, it's one way or the other. We're either going to learn our information from the church or we're going to learn it from the world. And I just wish the church's voice was louder in so many of these areas, even if it's the willingness for Christians to say, you know, I don't have all the right answers, but I'm willing to have a conversation. That's where I'm coming from with all of this. So let's just dive in. So I posted an anonymous question box on Instagram and had you guys share some things that you wish were talked about more in church or Christian communities. And so these are some of the things that you shared and oof, y'all got real, real. And I absolutely love it. The first one was knowing the difference between hard seasons and a healthy marriage versus hard seasons in a toxic or emotionally abusive one. And then this person went on to say that uh, a truly God honoring marriage should not have manipulation, blame shifting, and then how to notice red flags, like being controlling and all of that. Uh, I really do wish this was talked about more. I am personally very thankful that we have a church community that does teach a lot about marriage. Granted, we did not go there when we were dating or engaged. Actually, Christopher and I started going to our current church when we were engaged, and they do an excellent job about talking about marriage, sex, family, all of those things. And I'm really grateful. And I mean, there are definitely things that aren't touched on in like a wide, um, like on a Sunday morning setting, but for the most part, there are people who are very willing to have these open, vulnerable conversations with people. And I just love that. I love it. And so going back to this topic, I do wish that as a teenager, especially I was taught more realistic, practical life tools for relationships, because I have been in my share of toxic relationships, y'all unhealthy, very just bad, really bad relationships. Okay. And so I think part of the reason why, besides the fact that I was just a very dumb teenage girl, like we all have the, we've all gone through it. Okay. But something that I noticed, and we talked about this on the purity culture episode, it's kind of in that same vein. 
is that in the Christian community, at least when I was growing up, there was a lot of emphasis on purity culture and I kiss dating goodbye. It was that era, right? Where it was like, no kissing until marriage. Um, I'm not going to date until I know from God it's my spouse. Like, okay, if that's you, let me just preface and say, that's great. I love that for you. For me, that was not realistic. And I just felt like that was not a good way to set people up for success in dating and then marriage, right? I had a Bible teacher in high school who would always say, you marry the last person you date. And that kind of was a saying to help us realize who we're dating is going to end up being the choice that we make, you know? So it's like, if you're not dating to marry, why are you dating? And it kind of just, I don't know, like in some aspects, yeah, I love that. It did help me be more aware of the people that I was interacting with, talking to, dating, that kind of thing. Um, but there were also conversations that were similar to that where it made it feel like dating was this super serious thing where you had to be sure it was the right person. Otherwise, why are you dating them? And side note, if you are single slash dating, go listen to the dating episode with Sloan Wilson. That girl, that ministry, oh my gosh, date well. I wish would have been around whenever I was in high school and college because those are the conversations I wish were had more about dating. Preparing us for a realistic approach to relationships. Dating should be fun. Dating should be an exciting time. It should not be this make or break, so much pressure, serious thing that we're so consumed with figuring out if it's the right person on the first date that we don't even give it a chance to see if we like, like the person, you know? So that's my whole background thing. Coming back to this comment about toxic marriages, abusive marriages, things like that. How to identify red flags. I don't necessarily have experience with that in regards to marriage, but I have friends who do. And I have friends who are divorced because they have been in situations like that. You know, Christian marriages that were not okay. They were not healthy. And so the choice for them was to get divorced. It may not be for you. If you are in an abusive relationship, I pray that you feel comfortable getting help from somebody you trust who can help you decide either how to get out of that situation or how to approach getting help for the situation. And so that's really all I can say on that. I, I do think that better talks about dating would help us have better marriages because you guys know 50% of marriages, that's the divorce statistic now. And that's not including the people who stay in abusive or unhealthy marriages. Like that's just the people who decide to get divorced, you know, and that makes me so sad because the statistics are the same inside and outside of the church. And so something is obviously not right there. Um, I wish that we had better preparation for healthy marriages, including things like this, teaching women, teaching young girls that we do not have to settle for abusive relationships, toxic relationships in any way. I wish that young girls were taught to identify these signs. How do we know if somebody is being manipulative, controlling? I mean, there's a whole, uh, gosh, there's so much more. This is just a big can of worms really right now, but there's so much that goes into this where I feel like if we had a better foundation, I mean, number one, better relationships with girls and their dads. And then number two, better talks about dating. Number three, better education from the church about 
relationships and marriage and sex and all of these things to where it wasn't so taboo until you're engaged. Like the things that you talk about in premarital counseling, I wish were conversations that were had in regular dating life. In fact, if you are single or dating, I recommend a book by Gary Chapman called Things I Wish I Knew Before We Got Married. It's so great. It has different topics all throughout. And then at the end of each chapter, if you're dating, it's great because it has questions to ask your significant other about things that you should know about before you're married. Because the thing is, if you are in the dating honeymoon phase, you can miss a lot of those red flags. And then when you get married, all marriage does is intensify who you are. You know, like you're just more of yourself once you're in a marriage relationship, I feel like, and you just really see people's true colors. And so I think a lot of those conversations, if possible, should be had ahead of time so that you really, really know the person that you're committing to be with. Granted, I... I'm not saying this applies to every situation. Hear me say that. But those are just some thoughts that I think could be helpful on the preventative side. So again, don't even know if that was helpful. Again, I, I mean, I'm not even trying to solve problems here. Those are just some of my thoughts. Okay, let's move on because I've just I've just gone off the rails here. <laughs> Next one. Oh, this one's great. How to approach sensitive topics like weight gain or things you've tried to bring up and have seen little to no change in. This is such a taboo one, okay, in the church world especially. Um, I have seen people do this great, and I've seen people do this very, very wrong. Uh, I've heard people talk about gluttony in a way that is very shaming for people who struggle with weight. I think especially women. We already struggle with that. Okay. We've got a lot. We've got enough messages, people telling us we need to lose weight. We need to look this way. We need to do this procedure. We need to have this pill, whatever. It's a mess, but adding on topics like, you know, needing to look a certain way or trying to add a biblical (laughs) voice on that is tricky, right? Because God does want us to steward our bodies well, but how we go about that information being shared in a Christian biblical sense, I don't know. Like it it can be very good or very bad. You know what I mean? Um, Thankfully, again, I am fortunate to be in a community where one of our values, well, okay, let me say this too. I was on staff at our church, so I got a firsthand look at the culture and that side of things. And a huge piece of our culture is the stewardship of our spirit, soul, and body. So they talk about emphasizing taking care of your body as much as you do your spirit in a church environment, okay? So For me, that's really helpful because it makes me think, okay, it's not just about looking a certain way. It's not about my weight. It's not about a number on the scale. It's about stewarding my body well. And that is going to look different for everybody. Okay. So I think that something that would be helpful, especially with women, like having these conversations in the church world is not talking so much about diet or those kinds of things, like how to lose weight. It just needs to be about How can we honor our bodies so that we can show up and best live out our purpose the way God designed us to? If you struggle with your weight, I mean, I've been there. I've never been overweight, but I've struggled with body image. I've struggled with eating disorders. And there's not a lot of Christian resources about those things. There are a few. Um, I have read quite a few good books. Made to Crave by Lisa Turkers is a really good practical book kind of her weight loss journey. I mean, 
I don't love everything in that book, but it is a good resource. I'm reading Think and Eat Yourself Healthy by Dr. Caroline Leaf right now. That is a really in-depth, more scientific approach, um, but it's great because it's all biblical as well. There are some other books by um, Constance Rhodes, I think is her name. Don't quote me on that, but it's this lady I used to love, love, love when I was in high school and struggling with eating disorders because that's what she talked about a lot at conferences and things. Anyway, she has a book called Life Inside the Thin Cage. I love that book. It's really great if you're struggling with weight or um, body image. And then also Breaking Free from Body Shame by Jess Connolly is incredible. I read that a couple years ago and she's got a ton of resources that go along with that. So thankfully... I think people are starting to see the effects of not having these conversations in the church world or just not speaking up because there are so many voices constantly speaking to women and demanding things of women on social media, in Hollywood, like all the things we've got all this messaging, but the church has not had as much to say. And I think that now we're realizing we could have said something and now we're starting to speak up. And so there really are some resources that are coming out that are incredible. So if you're somebody that struggles with weight, or if you don't know how to approach that topic, maybe with somebody you love, someone in your family, maybe you can just start having conversations about like, just how can we steward our body? Like, I love that language. It's not about how can we get in shape? How can we look better? How can we, whatever. It's just about loving your body and, and honoring it the way that God designed it too. Because at the end of the day, the, the whole point of stewarding your body well is so that you can live a long life and make a really big impact for the Lord. Because the thing is, if you're unhealthy, you're not going to be able to do all the things that God has called you to do. You won't be able to feel your best and show up and really live the life that you were called to. So again, not an expert, but that's my two cents. <laughs> Next one, healthy sex, healthy view of sex and marriage, purity culture. This one came up a lot. And all I can really say on this one is I 100% agree. And you should go listen to the episode I did with Callan on purity culture and body image and sex, because we do a pretty good deep dive on that one. Obviously there's so much more to that conversation, but yep. Right along with dating. I wish there was more education besides don't have sex. Don't think about sex. Don't, don't do it. And then you get married and you're expected to love it. I think that is a very unhealthy approach that purity culture <laughs> brought on. And there are much better ways that churches are approaching it now. And I think people are learning that we need to have better conversations, um, more realistic conversations that actually equip young women. I mean, all women, all people for, for the topic of sex, especially setting us up for healthy marriage and healthy, um, just sexuality. I actually have a friend who's studying sexuality. Like she's getting a theology degree, but it's in uh, sexuality. And so I, I need to have her on the show to talk to you guys about that because it is, uh, it's amazing, but I will leave that to an expert. Next is not knowing much about the Bible. Even if you've believed for a long time, this is one that I saw and I was like, oh my gosh, I bet so many more people are thinking that than what we hear people say. Because honestly, I don't hear a lot of people talk about this. I think that we kind of just expect to know what we're doing, if especially if you've grown up in the church world. Because I grew up, let me just give you my background. I grew up in the church going every chance we could get. I went to private Christian school my entire elementary, junior high, and high school and then I went to Bible college and then I did a mission school and here I am in the real world. Like that's, that's how I ended up here. So especially if you're somebody who has kind of been in a church culture your whole life, it can be really easy to feel like you should know more. 
but it's so normal to not be an expert. Like <laughs> not every Christian is going to go get a theology degree or go to seminary. And so if you feel like this is you and you're like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't really know how to read the Bible. You are not the only one. In fact, I have had this conversation with some people lately and I just wish it, wish there was less shame around it because there's no shame in not knowing how to read the Bible. I mean, there are thankfully so many tools available to us now that I have really helped me personally. Number one, blue letter Bible. If you're somebody who really wants to get into a more in-depth study in your times in the Bible, um, it's great. You can look up verse by verse and it breaks down the original context of the words. So that's a great place to start. If you just want to do on your own, like a little bit of study. Secondly, there is a book called women of the word. Um, I wish I could remember the author. It's so good though. It's a short little book, but it is super in depth. Everything you could possibly need to know about how to read the Bible, how we approach the Bible. And it's just a different perspective than anything I've ever really heard because I, for one, have not really ever heard much about how to actually read the Bible or where to start. That's something I struggle with a lot is I don't know where to start. Like if I'm going to sit down and read my Bible, like how do I read it? What do I read? I don't even know. So sometimes I just like, go back to the Psalms and read a Psalm a day. And there's nothing wrong with that. But something I'm doing right now is a Bible plan on the app, the Bible app. So that's something you could do to start. Or the Daily Grace Co. has a bunch of really good Bible study options that are studying books of the Bible. And it kind of leads you through day by day and gives you some journal prompts and things like that. So I feel like utilizing some tools could help you. But at the end of the day, something that is talked about in this Woman of the Word book is that we we have the most access to the Bible that we've ever had in human history. And yet we are the most illiterate <laughs> biblically um, that we've ever been. And that's just such a shame because we have access to all these tools and resources. And so I will say, be careful not to let the tools become your main source of Bible knowledge. Like I love devotionals. I love Bible studies. I love small group curriculums and all the things. But if you're getting most of your source of truth from that, it's just not as good as the real thing. You know, it's like taking a vitamin for vegetables and feeling like you never have to eat them in your diet. It's great. Like you're ticking the box. Okay. But it's not the same as having a fresh vegetable on your plate. <laughs> so that's kind of my approach to Bible reading again, not an expert, but these are some things that are helping me because I feel the same and I know you're not the only one. So maybe try a resource or even reading the Bible with a friend. I know that's something that's helped me in the past too, where I find another friend who's like, you know, I don't really know how to read the Bible. I don't really know <laughs> much about the Bible. So you guys could do a study together or even read a book of the Bible together and just talk through what you're learning and utilize some of these tools like Blue Letter Bible to dive into the context and find out some more about that or get a study Bible. Ugh, there's just so many things. Next one, I thought this was a great one. How to talk to your friends about Jesus. This is definitely something that I have felt ill-equipped for most of my life. <laughs> So in the Bible, it talks a lot about how we are called to be disciples and make disciples. And we get that general idea. But I think for a long time, many Christians, myself included, thought that being a disciple looked like street evangelism or going to a foreign country as a missionary and sharing the gospel with people who have never heard it before or doing some underground church work in China. You know, all of these things that are kind of romanticized versions of what we are 
actually practically called to do. (laughs) And so talking to our friends about Jesus can be really, really daunting because it's like, um, how do I approach this? Like with a coworker or somebody who's been in my life a while, or like somebody I'm just meeting, like, I don't want to make it weird, but something that I have learned along the way is that the most effective thing you can do is just be yourself, like love Jesus, invite him in, ask him to give you the words to say and the time to say it. And then just be yourself. You don't have to go in thinking like, I need to share the gospel with this person. I need to evangelize this person. It's great to have that mindset and to like go in on mission. Like definitely be praying for the people in your life that you want to, 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 for them to meet Jesus, but don't put so much pressure on yourself that you feel like it's up to you. Their salvation is not up to you. You just have to bridge the gap between them and God. And the best, most effective way that I found to do that is by loving them really well and just being real with them, showing up to them in the process, being a good friend. I had a friend in high school who was not a believer. She did not go to church, did not believe in God. Um, She was a lesbian and just like we had very different lifestyles, but she's one of my best friends. I still love her dearly. I, I love her so much. But one of the craziest things was when I was in Bible college and she was still in high school. She was a grade younger than me. We met up for coffee during the semester when I was back home. And she was just asking me how school is going. And I was sharing what I was learning. I was like an old Testament survey and like all these classes about the Bible, but I'm just sharing with her like, Oh, it's been really cool. Like I'm learning a lot and I just feel like I'm growing and, and all these things God is calling me to do. And I'm telling this to my friend that I know is not a Christian. And what she said shocked me and I will never forget about it. I think about it all the time. She just said, you know, Hannah, I really appreciate that your faith is something that just gives you hope. Like, I just really like that you never try to push it on people. It's just something that gives you purpose. And I just, uh, it just melted my heart. It just really stuck with me because I wasn't trying to convert her. Like I wasn't going in with this idea of like, oh, I need to like talk to her about Jesus. I was just being a friend to my friend, Like we just had a relationship. She knows that I'm a Christian. I know that she is not, and she's still not, but I, I love that she feels comfortable being around me because how many people who are not believers just have such a bad taste in their mouth. Don't want to be around Christians. Don't want to talk about Christians. Don't want to talk about or go to church. They're just so turned off. And I think it's a huge win that this friend and some others that I have feel comfortable being around me because I'm not going to judge them. My job as a Christian isn't to change them. My job as a Christian is to love them. It's to point them to Jesus. And the thing is like, yes, there are going to be times when we are called to have a conversation about Jesus with somebody like that is the end goal, but it's not, there's a time and place, right? Like if we just meet somebody, it may not be the most like accepted thing for them. Like they may not be as receptive to a conversation about Jesus. If, if we're just like, Hey, so like, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Like, tell me where you're at with that. And we don't really know anything else about them. You know, I feel like people receive it better if we have some sort of relationship with them because they know that we are invested in them and we actually care about them. And we're not just trying to 
get them on our side. You know what I mean? And so I do think that it is super, super powerful when you do have a relationship with somebody to start asking those questions. Just say like, Hey, tell me your story. There's something actually, we talk about discipleship at our church and we did a whole series on it last year. And something that they teach is asking somebody to tell you their testimony or their story. Like if it's somebody you're maybe not sure is a believer, just ask them to tell you their story and what you can look for to see if somebody is really, you know, has given their life to Jesus is a moment of transformation with Jesus. There's always going to be a before and an after I was this, but now because of Jesus, I am this. So for me, it would be before Jesus, I was so hopeless. Like I really thought my life had no meaning. I was suicidal. I hated myself. I had no point. Like I had no meaning in my life. I had nothing to live for. But then I learned who Jesus was. Like I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life forever. And now, even though I'm not perfect and I still struggle, I have hope and I have purpose in my life. That is my testimony. And that's so simple. And I can share that with somebody and, and it could encourage them. You know, we've, we've talked about testimony so many times on the show and I, I wrote my book about it, um, waking up, living open, but it's just, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to share that and then let people share their story with you because they may not have that moment of transformation. And if they haven't had that moment of transformation, then you can relate to them. You can say, Oh, I remember I felt that way too. And then Jesus has changed my life. Like I've just, I've learned this or God has changed my life in this way. And then you get to share with them what's possible if they decide to have a relationship with Jesus. And so I would say, if you are somebody who's stressing about talking to your friends about Jesus, keep it so simple. Take the pressure off of yourself. Remember that their salvation is not up to you. Pray for them. Have conversations, share your testimony when you can, but don't feel like they're a project. Don't look at it like you have to evangelize them. <laughs> Just go into it on mission, knowing that you're going to intentionally love this person in hopes that your love for them will point them to Jesus. And that's the best thing we can do with anybody and leave the outcome up to God. I will not be able to get through all of these. There's quite a few, um, but... Somebody said they wish that politics were talked about in church without telling people who to vote for, not with an agenda, just sharing biblical truth so that people can make their own decisions based on that. And I love this because I agree. I am somebody who I'll admit, I don't know a lot about politics, mostly because I don't engage in politics, mostly because it's so biased. And I honestly sometimes don't know where to find truthful, unbiased, biblical information, or even how to like uh, address those topics with people and have an open conversation without fearing that they're going to totally shut me down if I disagree with them on something. I think politics is something that we should have so many more just open, loving, kind conversations with, with people about for the sake of education, like especially young people who are now at the age where they can vote and they're just voting based off what their friends are doing or based on what people on social media are doing without knowing the full scope of what that person stands for or, you know, what, what their goals are, those kinds of things. That's what I wish there was more education about. Like 
if you are somebody who knows of a source where we can get unbiased information and biblical truth about politics, please share because I, for one, would love more of that. And I wish that politics were not such a source of division because, again, I've talked about this before, but we should be able to disagree with people and still be kind to them. Like, I just really hate it when people see that somebody voted differently than them or has a different stance on something than them. And they're like, oh my gosh, if you believe this, don't talk to me anymore. Like what? That's <laughs> why that's a bit extreme for me personally. I think we should be able to have conversations with people and disagree and then move on. Like it's okay if people disagree with you. The goal in life is not to be right. The goal in life is to be good people and love people well and reflect God in the world. And I don't think that God would be out here arguing about politics. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. I want to share this one. I thought it was so such, such a good point. Deconstruction is healthy. If you reconstruct, I love this. I agree. I think re deconstruction is this buzzword that's going around. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, deconstruction is this idea. Um, Again, this is not an expert definition. This is just my perception of what's going on. So there are a lot of people who are in a deconstruction. And what that kind of means is that they are breaking apart pieces of what they once believed that were things maybe they believed just because someone said that it was right or they heard it from a pastor, but they didn't really ever have their own personal knowledge or understanding of the thing. And so they just kind of started kind of unwrapping, unraveling, unboxing all the things that they once believed were true. I think that deconstruction can be dangerous if you are approaching it from uh, a place of bitterness because you're going to be biased, right? We've talked about confirmation bias. Your brain is going to look for things to support whatever you believe is true. <laughs> and so we have to be really careful when we're approaching things like deconstruction because I agree it can be really, really good for your faith. If you are approaching it from the uh, stance of, okay, I want to know what's really true about this. There are seasons of life. Let me just share an example. Okay. Last year, two years ago, I had my first miscarriage and it was a really, really hard time for me because I was already struggling with some other things and mental health. And it was just the icing on a really, really awful cake. And so I went through the season of kind of a mini deconstruction because my faith really took a hit from it. I just remember feeling like, God, I don't see why you could let this happen. How, how could you, do, if you're a good God, what are you doing? Where are you? Why are you not changing our situation? Why are you not fixing this problem? And I mean, then I had two more miscarriages. And so for a long, long time, I had to get really real and honest with myself and honest with people in my life that are close to me and helping me process and honest with God about these doubts that started to come up. And, you know, I said, I grew up in the church. And so I have had the experience of believing many things because I just felt like, oh, I don't know. I just, that's just what the Bible says, or that's just what they said in at church. And so that's why I believe it. But I feel like there's really a level of freedom and a level of empowerment that comes when we finally ask those questions for ourselves and wrestle through them until we get to the truth and stand on the other side stronger. That I think is what could be healthy about deconstruction is the reconstruction side of it. Because for me, my period of really just 
feeling like, I don't know what I believe anymore. God, I thought you were good. God, I thought this was true. If I pray for this, why is it not happening? All of that. I was able to wrestle through those really hard things with the help of Christopher, my husband, and counselors and mentors and people that I trusted who I could be really honest with and say stuff that was like gross to say, but it was true about how I felt and the questions I had and like the things that I was believing that that I didn't know if they were true or not. And so I feel like I was able to deconstruct in a way that got me to the root of what I was believing. And it caused me to ask, do I really believe this is true? And how do I know it's true? And I had a choice. I could either turn away from it and just not even worry about figuring out and just deciding, you know, this isn't worth it anymore. I don't have the time to figure it all out. And quite honestly, at that point, I didn't have the energy to pick apart all the details. Like I'm, I'm honestly not that much of an argumentative person when it comes to that sort of thing anyway. But I was just like, you know, at the end of the day, I have wrestled through this and I can still say God is good. I can say that after going through really, really hard things in my life, I still believe God is good. And it took me a while to get to that point. But now after breaking down all the way to the bottom of all of that junk that I was believing, I've still come back to that. I believe in God. I believe that he is good. I believe that he loves me and my circumstances, my pain does not define who he is. It doesn't change who he is. And I'm going to choose by faith to believe that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. And I'm choosing to reconstruct or build my life on that foundation. And it's so much stronger than it was before, because before I was building on a lot of things that I just thought were true because they were true. And I mean, they're good things, right? They're good things that I believed were true about God, but it was not because I had that conviction for myself necessarily. It was more just because like, yeah, oh yeah, God's good. I'm blessed. Like all of those things that were just kind of like a default, like a habit, a reflex for me. But now on the other side, of asking those really hard questions and confronting those things that I didn't really know why or if they were true. Now I can say, because I've wrestled through it, yes, I believe it. And this is why it's true for me. And so if you are in a place of deconstruction, I would encourage you continue wrestling through the process. But if you have experienced pain, church hurt, anything like that, I would highly recommend bringing in somebody that you trust, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a mentor, a friend, somebody that can love you through the process and be a sounding board and speak truth to you and not just affirm your hurt. I think that will help a lot because what I see a lot is people who have been hurt or traumatized in the church world or by somebody who claims to be a Christian and their whole deconstruction is proving their pain right. and. I just, it makes me so sad when I see people who are experiencing that because I just see their pain and the reconstruction piece of this, I think is possible when we find the healing. So all of that to say big old tangent there, I think that reconstruction becomes a beautiful thing when we find healing in the deconstruction process. Next up is mental health. Uh, you guys know me. You're speaking my language. I wish mental health was talked about more in the church world. I do think this is something that more conversations are coming up about, which makes me so, so excited. And it's something that I want to have more conversations about as well. So I've talked about it quite a bit. Um, my book, Waking Up, 
It's pretty much all about my mental health journey. And there's so much more I could say on that, but definitely if you want a resource, there's my book and then so, so many others out there now. A couple other things that people mentioned um, that I can quickly give some resources for are abortion, which again, huge, huge topic. I actually did an episode about it. If you want to have some more info on that, start there. Again, um, it's something that causes a lot of division if people disagree on, but this along with so many other things, pretty much everything is I just want to get to a place where we're not trying to be right. We're not trying to win people over or change people's minds. I think it's about understanding people. Like, I think the only way we can win with the abortion conversation is understanding why people believe what they believe. What are their hurts? What are their needs? How can we love them? That's it. I don't care what you believe about abortion. I don't care if you're pro-life, pro-choice, or don't even have a say. I feel like what we need to do as believers is come together to love hurting people, whether that looks like walking with someone through their abortion or walking through somebody who is choosing life or, you know, like whatever that looks like, it's not about shaming people who are different than you. Okay. I feel like we just need to get a better grasp on there's more to the story. Okay. If we can approach things with the perspective that there's more to the story, it's not about just this is the option or this is the option. This is real people we're talking about. It's real lives. It's real hurt that we are talking about. And so we need to be very sensitive about these things. And I wish that it wasn't such a a point of division because there's so much potential for healing. If we would just love people where they're at instead of fighting over who's right and who's wrong. And that's pretty much all I'll say about that. You can go listen to the abortion episode if you want more. Um, I'm going to have to wrap this up because I could literally sit here for hours and talk to you about all my opinions and all these things. And I just don't even know if that would be helpful. It probably wouldn't because I'm just sharing opinions, but I would love to hear from you. If these are some things that you would want to have episodes about to have a more in-depth discussion with an expert who could actually give us some, some truth and some, um, resources beyond what I can offer. And then just real quick before we go, some other things that people talked about are LGBTQ plus. That's a huge one. I will definitely have to have my friend on to talk about, to, to talk about Christian sexuality. That w- that's a huge one. Gender roles, autism, birth control, confrontation, the list goes on and on. So like I said, let me know which of these you'd want to have a deep dive episode on. And if you are someone who is an expert in these fields, or if you know somebody who is, please send them my way. Because again, can I say for the hundredth time, I am not an expert. I'm not trying to be right. I know that I don't have all the information or all the answers. I am just a gal who is trying to learn as much as she can so that she can love people better and be a better human being and raise better human beings. So that's pretty much the end of my spiel. Don't know if it was helpful at all. Maybe just some food for thought. But at the end of the day, my hope in this episode, which I kind of touched on in the beginning, was just to give you an idea of what other people are thinking about and wishing were talked about more in church. Because I, for one, wish these were all conversations that were had regularly. Because can you imagine a church where these conversations were had in a safe and healthy environment where we could just get truth and learn about that? Like, uh, mind-blowing, right? Uh, 
can we sign a petition to get this going? Because I am ready for these conversations. I love having these conversations with you guys. Um, please send me any other ideas you have. I love hearing from you what you want to hear about on the show. So let me know. Let's keep this going. I love you guys. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune into another episode of the ByWords show. I love having you here and I'm so thankful for your support. Don't forget to share a screenshot of this episode to let me know you were here. I can't wait to talk again soon, but in the meantime, be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and remember I am cheering you on.